Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everybody to Nightlight. So glad you could join us. I know it's going to be an interesting hour, especially for me. First, I want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his introduction. Please look for him online. He's a native storyteller, and his website is easy to find and fascinating to look through. I have with me again Mary Joyce, which, which makes my month, to be honest with you. She has worked for two major metropolitan newspapers, the Orlando Sentinel in Florida as an artist and columnist, and the Orlando Press in Michigan as a Sunday magazine editor and then feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and books, and since 2008, she's been the main researcher and editor for the Skyships Over Cashiers website, which features a wide variety of cutting-edge topics from UFOs to secret underground bases, from Bigfoot to Cherokee Little People. Mary's gone from investigating mob stories in Detroit, including Jimmy Hoffa's death, to interviewing people with the highest top secret clearances about clandestine government activities. She's even had face-to-face interviews with a whistleblower with cosmic top secret clearance, who once worked within the top tier of the infamous International Cabal. Because of her website and books, she's been a frequent guest on radio and TV shows in the USA, Canada, United Kingdom, and Australia. You can find her website at www.skyshipsovercashiers.com. It's a fascinating website. You'll get lost in it. I highly, highly recommend it. I know every time I go on it, a few minutes turns into a few hours easily. So do please check it out, but wait till after the show. So, welcome to the show again, Mary. How have you been? Fine. Good to hear your voice again. Well, the pollen has gotten to me, but other than that, yes. Well, I noticed noticed your voice was just a little bit different than usual, and I was hoping it wasn't anything major. Nope, it's just pollen. Yeah, the the trees kind of get to me, too. Oh, the mold and the mildew, the pollen, and and because I'm, you know, unpacking boxes, dust and stuff like that. So, so I, I sound I sound huskier than usual, but I'm perfectly fine. 
Okay. Um, I have a question for you. Do you ever catch yourself talking to the television news uh, during this wonderful year of COVID? Constantly. (laughs) Constantly. Um, I don't cuss or swear at it, but I I, I go, I can't believe how dumb those people are. I can't believe this. You know, I just, and I began to wonder, are these people even paying attention? Are they even reading anything? Do they do they ever check things out? And um, thinking along those lines, I actually started to dig into uh, some statistics. And I was shocked to find out that 50% of the adults in our country can't read a book at the eighth grade level. Now think about that. Oh, now that I knew because I was a teacher. And they told us they told us always, no matter what level, to never present anything that was above an eighth grade level. I know, and I don't know. I don't know if I could confirm this or not. But in the back of my head, uh, there was something about the Reader's Digest was uh, written specifically at the eighth grade level. I don't know if that's true or not because um, I haven't been able to find the confirmation on it. But that doesn't. Well, no, I can give you. Com- I can, I can give you a confirmation because my aunt worked for Reader's Digest. All righty. Well, there I got it. So I I really kind of expected more of the country. <laughs> well, I I I think what what blows my mind is that people no longer check information. They just accept whatever is told them and take it as the truth. And I think what really upsets me the most is a long time ago and for me now a long time is really a long time, um, I was under the impression that newspapers never printed anything unless they had three unrelated confirmations before they printed anything. Or well, was that I, just, you know... Um, I, I don't I, remember I, ever having a rule like that, but we needed confirmation, uh, you know, that what we were putting out there was correct. Uh, I don't know if anybody told us we had to do X number, but we definitely had to check out multiple sources. And you know that people simply are not doing that. And uh, uh, it, it's it's very disheartening. And I thought, well, I actually thought, well, my goodness, are we worse than we were when the country first started? And yes. I checked on those statistics. And back in 1776... The literacy rate for men was just about the same. 80% of the men could read. Now, it was less for the women. It was only 50% because they certainly were not encouraged to get educated, you know, a couple centuries back. But uh, as far as the men go, uh, it was the same percentage as we have now. And they actually did some comparison, and people back then were able to read more uh, complicated or, you know, convoluted ideas than the average person can today. And I go, this well, is I th- really something. But I think also... I know, this is, um, I know this isn't what we normally talk about, but my brain just went in a different direction today. No, that's okay. Um, I'll follow right along with you. Uh, it, I think, though, they did not have the opportunities to be distracted that we have today. I mean, that's they had correct. books. They yes. read books. There was no TV. There was no radio. There was no internet. There was no cell phones. There were, I mean, that was that was their form of entertainment, and and in in 
getting entertained, they also got educated because there wasn't that much garbage out there. Right. So, you know, it, it's just, it would, I would think it, it today it would be frightening how many people have actually read the Constitution. Correct. Um, but, you know, it, just to just to actually read uh, news stories for themselves would be something. But but Mary, Anyhow. where do they get the where do they get the truth? Because from what I can see, it's very hard. There's so much out there. It's hard to find the truth and to know it when you see it. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked I about mean, we, uh, in the past. We need to depend on that intuitive feeling. If it doesn't feel quite right, well, it might not yeah. be quite right, and we need to pay more attention to that because we do. Uh, get bombarded with a lot of stuff. I mean, there are congressmen and senators, and I'm not going into, you know, party stuff, but there are congressmen and senators that will stand up in front of the world and say something they know is a bold-faced lie. Right. And and to me, I and then there are other Congress people that that say things that are just so ludicrous and ridiculous that they can't possibly be, not only can they not possibly be, possibly be a fact, but they can't possibly be incorporated because of the, the, the um, steps you have to go through to incorporate them. I mean, have these people, I, I, we elect them to office and they don't even understand what the hell they're doing. I know. And that's why I end up talking to the television. <laughs> so that inspired all of this, and I wanted to be a little bit optimistic because I, I thought if I go in this direction, I should at least encourage people to check out, um, if they can read, if your listeners can read, uh, that they might want to volunteer. And they have uh, literacy tutors uh, that you can get through AARP. I think it's called the AARP Experience Corps. And so uh-huh. people who have experience and they're retired they can, you know, help out, and the, the reading program is one of them. Big Brothers, Big Sisters have a program. There's something I'm not familiar with. It's called Jumpstart. And so there are, you can probably get in touch with the local school. Um, I don't know if those things are more difficult to do now that we're uh, having to be confined more than usual or not, but there's certainly a need for it. And uh, so I just wanted to send that idea out there because it might be something that, um, certainly needs to be done and something that uh, people could do that would be very worthwhile. Well, yeah, but, in, you know, it, the the whole system is making it more and more simple. When I was going to school and I had to read a book, if I was lucky, there were cliff notes. In other words, somebody, know, you know. I know, I'm familiar they're, with cliff notes. They may still exist for all I know. <laughs> but today... The, it, it's it's not only can you see a video of the book, but you can purchase online a paper on the book if you want to. So you don't Isn't have to even cool? read the damn. I mean, it just it blows my mind. I I found growing up, reading was an escape. It was a place where I could be safe. It was a place that I could could go to and and let go of you know. It, it was my it was my virtual reality. And today, nobody reads for 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 enjoyment. I don't think. 
And and it, it it just when I say to people I read I read for every author that I interview on my show I have read at least one of their books in one case nine of them but my goodness. you know yeah <laughs> well it was please a good tell me who that is maybe I should be checking into their books who's the author David Brody what's the first name he's David David and I just, it just made a noise on the line I didn't hear it yeah oh okay and um. He's written a book. It's a series, and, and you should read it from the beginning. Um, he, he's got a storyline and characters, but basically they um, investigate artifacts that are found in the Northeast here. And um, every artifact that he talks about in the book is a real artifact, and he lists where it is and where it can be found. So mm. the, the storyline follows around you know, different different historical sites that are here in the Northeast, and, and they're fascinating. Wow. Say the name one more time so everybody hears it. We'll plug them. David, David Brody, B-R-O-D-Y. Okay, now. We, he got a free plug, so let him know that. I will do that. <laughs> Actually, it was really cool. He was, he was getting towards the end of his series, and he said, do you have any suggestions? And I gave him a couple, and his whole next book were my suggestions. So I actually got listed in his thank yous, you know, in the front of the book. So that was kind of fun. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, the only but, time – no, that's not true. Never mind. <laughs> I, I start to say but, but something, in, I go, I go the only time, and then I blah, 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 and I go, oh, that's not true. You know, there were other times. So never mind. <laughs> but But it's just – I think that – you know the element of books is bec- they're becoming antiquated, but you know you have Kindles, so you can still read the books. You can still. Um, I'll get tell the you the advantage to a regular book. Uh, in fact, I okay. destroy my books. I use a, a highlighter, and ah. so if you see one of my books, it's going to have yellow throughout it. And I like books because you can get back to where you want it to be very, very easily. Especially if you mark it up or ear, you know, turn the corner over. Um, uh-huh. You can't do that as easily in a Kindle. And uh, with a regular book, you can flip through it to get a good overview very quickly. And uh-huh. I don't know. I just like to be able to do those things. So I still like real books, though I do have a Kindle. If I'm reading something that I don't intend to use for any purpose, then, you know, like reading fiction or something, that's fine on a Kindle. But if there's any chance there's going to be something in there that I might reference at another time it's going to be marked up yeah i i have done that with a lot of books but but my eyes aren't that great so i need the kindle so i can make it more readable bigger? for me mm-hmm. yeah bigger bolder whatever but bigger bolder. and uh <laughs> yes but when when you you know i read a lot so um it 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 I like both ways. I have bookcases full of books. They keep they keep growing and multiplying like crazy. But um, it is it is a wonderful place to go, you know, for in, for adventure, for relaxation, for information, for wisdom. And I mean, there have been a couple of books that I've read three or four times just to make sure I got everything out of it. Mm-hmm. Which is well, you know, what, but but. People don't do that anymore. Well, let's encourage them. Absolutely. Let's encourage them. 
And uh, then, like I said, when I started this off, I was hooked on talking to the TV and upset with the politics <laughs> and everybody not being too too smart about stuff. And um, then I began to think about uh, our electoral college. And believe it or uh-huh. not, when I was a sophomore in high school, I had to, no, I didn't have to. I took a speech debate class. And at one point I did a speech, and I think the title was something like, uh, the Electoral College is an anachronism. In other words, it's totally out of date. And we've had five presidential elections where the the person who gets the most votes in the country doesn't win in the Electoral College. And I was trying to figure out why in the world do we have this? And I just want to read, a, I'm going to give you a quote, and it's from a political science professor with uh, Texas A&M, and and these are his words. It wasn't like the founder said, hey, what a great idea. This is the preferred way to select the chief executive, period. They were tired, impatient, frustrated. They cobbled together this plan because they couldn't agree on anything. And what was happening was that the founding fathers, they had two camps. One group of them wanted the Congress to pick the president. The other group wanted the popular vote to win to choose the president. So they did this. They created this electoral college because they couldn't decide on one of those solutions. So we have a system that's giving us people who didn't win the popular vote, which I think is criminal. And uh, so that was another thing I got got off on. Well, the only thing. Against the popular vote would be that the, the the states with the most populations would be the one that would choose our president, and the ones with the, the smallest population wouldn't have a say in anything. And by contrast, if let's say uh, North Carolina has X number of elect, uh, electors, if the state goes one way, all the electors go to that person. So anybody in uh, North Carolina who didn't vote a certain way, it was like they never participated. Now that's just as wrong. So that's probably the reason the Founding Fathers were debating so much. Well, New Hampshire has two electoral votes, and they 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 can each go their separate way. They don't have to go together. Not every state, you know, it's not win all, you know, winner takes all in many states. They're, they are separated. I, I can't offhand tell you anyone other than New Hampshire because I just heard it today. But um, mm-hmm. I do know that there are many states where um, every vote goes to wherever that person feels that they they want to they want it, want it to go. So it's not perfect for sure. But but you know if. If it, if you went down to population, then California and New York would be the ones that picked every president from now on, and that's not fair either. Oh, and that's why the founding fathers couldn't agree. Yeah, it's just so. you know maybe we should <laughs> actually to be to be honest with you, I mean it's a system that is that is stood up reasonably well for a very long time, but I think it is time that it be. Um, brought into the present and and, and perhaps um, I, a, a while ago I fired everybody and said I think we should start from scratch. But then who would do it? 
Mm-hmm. And then that then you get into politics again. And politics, um, as far as I'm concerned, from what I've seen, my, my grandfather was in politics. He was a state senator. And um, I can't believe that this kind of corruption that we see going on, you know, in these last 8, 10, 12 years um, was going on back then. But it probably was. I mean, there's probably been corruption there, you know, all along. But it hasn't been quite so blatant. And um, and not as powerful because with the media that we have now, it can just get blasted everywhere. So, uh, you know, they, we reach more people now more almost instantaneously. Anyhow, I'm sure we bored your audience completely to death going <laughs> off on politics, but um, it's just something that was at the top of my head today. Well, I was I, I read through through a lot of the stories on your web on your website. And and I have one question. Um, I know we went in to the to to the the uh, uh, the aliens that had you know canceled their contract with us, so to speak, because we're crazy. Right. But one of the one of the other statements that was there um, got me wondering because it said basically that UFOs have been helping us and Russia and China and whoever all along. And I, re- I know that Werner von Braun often said that, that, you know, they were helping him, but were they helping us too at the same time? Or did that kind of help came when we, when we, when the second world war was over and Werner von Braun came, came here and worked here? We we didn't go anywhere with um, developing advanced space until after World War II, and by then, um, Project Paperclip, where we clipped all the top uh, scientists from Germany and brought them over here, uh, we didn't make any progress till then. And so we were getting the information that these Germans had already gotten, um, and there's all sorts of evidence that they were getting their information from um, off-world sources. Wonder, wonder why they didn't choose to come here. I, though Eisenhower supposedly met with some of the aliens, I think the Greys, I think, or the reptilians. Was it the Greys or the uh, yeah, reptilians? Yeah, and the 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 Greys and the reptilians were also the ones working with the uh, the Germans. And uh, uh, Eisenhower, again, I'm just pulling stuff off the top of my head. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but he um, met with. Um, like the Pleiadians or, you know, a race that was peace-loving. We had just come out of a war. He did not want to give up uh, our nuclear weapons, and that was what the the peaceful ETs wanted, you know, give up the nuclear and then we will help you with all these different things. He did not agree with that. So the agreements after that were made um, in our country, I think it was primarily with the Greys. Wow. And of course, they 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 had ulterior motives uh, for wanting to, uh, you know, manipulate us. But weren't the um, the Nordics working with the Germans? I don't think so. The Nordic well, then are, were they working with us? Because one of your articles. Um, um, one of the articles uh, was uh, about William Tompkins. And yes. he was working at the highest level of NASA, and he said that there were uh, 
uh, aliens that look just like us, only perhaps a little bit better looking, uh, that we're helping them all the way through uh, the developments of things at NASA. And that's, if it weren't for them, probably the progress that NASA made would have been much, much, much slower. But those were not graves. Those those were Nordics. Um, They looked like us, and those are sometimes described as Palladian, sometimes Nordics, but um, they, you know, I I, I don't know which label really applies, but at least you know what they look like. Yeah. Fair-skinned, nice-looking humans. Any any nice looking human could possibly be an alien. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I uh, years ago, when uh, I spoke out at the International UFO Congress when it was being held um, in uh, Laughlin, uh, Nevada, and yeah. uh, was riding the elevator, and you know the conference took over the whole hotel. It was just. These people were everywhere. Uh, I think there was at least a thousand people that attended this, and there was this guy, little guy, who was on the elevator. He looked like a little gray that just kind of became a human. I mean, and to this day, I I, I keep thinking he wasn't a human, you know. But what a wonderful <laughs> place to hide out. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's with the situation that we've got today and we've had for the last year, conventions and things like that have, have all been taken away from us. Yeah, and, yeah, they really have. And, and you kind of wonder if, um, in a way, we are being prevented from getting together and sharing ideas. Hmm. And when, when why, you would that, why would that be a good thing? I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying it's something that it feels to me as though it's manipulated. Um, this is a time where um, there's a greater acceptance and awareness of all sorts of stuff out there, and yet we can't get together to share ideas and and talk about um you know, first contact or second contact or or, or friendly contact. Uh, we can't get together to talk about spiritual stuff. We can't get together to talk about so many things. I mean, even they were stopping church services for a while. So uh, you, you do begin to take a look at it all now. And, and I know people are still getting sick and people are still dying. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not dismissing that, but I am saying that. Humanity as a whole is being very isolated and kept kept apart. You, you know, we can't get together in groups of, uh, very large because if we did that, maybe we'd be sharing ideas and maybe we'd figure something out is, is where I'm going. Well, um, we had a, a man who, let's see if I, I'm bad at remembering everything, we had a story, and people can look it up. It's, uh, the title of it was Coronavirus Created in the Laboratory. And um, I'm pretty convinced that that probably really happened, not only because the source um, had the credentials for me to take the time to 
you know, consider that it might be true. But the uh-huh. fact of the way that the virus is working, it 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 works differently with different people. It, uh, um, you know, people who are perfectly healthy, who haven't had anything wrong with them, um, suddenly get this and and they die. You know, um, it seems to affect a certain um, races more than other races. There, it could be multiple reasons for that, but I think it was manipulated. So if we go back to uh, the manipulation, that's coming from a total different direction than, you know, something to create a different psychological, spiritual realm. Um, It it could just be as devious as trying to uh, whittle down the population. Well, when when it first came out, I said immediately this was done to cull the population, and I said, you watch, they're going to find that one of the side effects of it is sterilization, and -hmm. they're finding that with men, and it it is definitely men have a greater chance of getting it than women. And, um, and, and so, and it's, it's also, it it appears to be targeting, um, you know, uh, minorities. Thank you. And, and so it really, for me, they can select, they can select minorities uh, just by knowing the unique DNA or of a particular race. And then they can target that. I mean, there's, there's, it's just incredible what they can do in laboratories. So, um, it, it, I'm not ready to throw out the idea that this was just some natural phenomena that escaped somewhere. I think, I think yeah, it was really contrived. Well, not only that, but they're also saying now, and um, and personally for myself even though I'm 76 and compromised, I will not get the vaccine. That's Mm -hmm. just my choice. But um, they're saying that when you can get a flu shot of any sort, um, if you are a certain age, if you are 65 or older, they give you a booster shot, which is a double of the flu shot. Mm -hmm. What is that doing? You do have to wonder. Well, that upset me. I have a friend who has an 85-year-old mother. I said, for God's sakes, if she's going to get a flu shot, get it just so, get the small one. Don't get because it'll kill her. Mm-hmm. And and so they're and now they're saying that the vaccine may need to have a booster shot as well. And I'm just I'm feeling that we don't know the whole truth. But, I mean, no, you don't. know, I, we don't. my mind, we're, both, we're my all going to have to learn a lot more before we decide to uh, line up for this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't had a flu shot in over 30 years. And I and beat I, you. I've never had I've never had one. Ah, well, you know, they, they came to the school and they shot all the all the teachers. So, you know, it was hard not to get it. But um, but no, it it's. To me, I I I don't trust stuff like this anymore, and and I, that's a very sad thing that that your innocence in in many ways has been taken away from you, so that you look at everything and you you kind of try to figure out. So what's the catch? 
Gotcha. What's this going to do? You know, it's just it's uh, it's a sad thing that's happened to humanity. And, well, and uh, I go ahead. No, go ahead. No, and and it just to me it seems as though we we aren't we aren't coming out of this thing. They're saying it could go on for another two years. Now, frankly, I work out of my house. It doesn't inconvenience me, not one lick. Mm-hmm. But but you know, so many people have lost jobs, and so many. So so I I'm I'm very very lucky. But but there are people out there that are struggling horribly, and. All of the small businesses that are that are going downhill, and then, and I, I'll take us back to our government. They're, they're sitting up there in Congress, seeing you know having a pissing contest instead of try, trying to take care of the country and the people. And and I'm outraged. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's like, you did this to us last time, so we're going to do it to you now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. no way to run a government. But I don't want socialism. <laughs> so, well, so that doesn't leave us see, with any I think, choices. I think people are getting too afraid of socialism. I mean, think of all the people who are on Social Security. That is socialism. So okay. we have to. I think we need to have a mixture of capitalism and socialism, and quit just using these words in their extreme. And there's not too many seniors today who want to give up Social Security, and that is socialism. And they're the same ones who are mouthing off and saying, I'm so afraid of socialism, and I'm going to stop and think about this because you wouldn't have that. Well, that's that's a very good point. Oh, yeah. With a true capitalist system, you would not have uh, Social Security. Well, I then I'm for the, for that part I'm in favor of. Um, it, it's just I just you know you don't know who to believe or what to believe anymore. And and I think uh, my friend Jeannie and I every every um, every election for the last I don't know twenty years, you know we've we've listened to the promises that were that that were being made by by the different candidates. And we kept listing what the promises were, and then after whoever was elected, we took our list and we we checked them off as they happened. And it's it's really it's it's frightening because these people who are who are um, campaigning are making huge promises that first of all they don't even if they were elected they wouldn't have the power to do it. I'll do this and I'll do that, but but it takes an act of Congress for you to do that. Mm-hmm. So so you know it, it's sort of like you listen to the promises and they sound really really good. And, and I remember after Obama was elected the first time, I remember this poor little lady. She was she was she was I can't say she was old because I'm 76, so she she was probably my age. And she was there sitting crying and saying, where's my Obama money? Where's the money Obama promised me? Where's I want my Obama money. And, you know, there was none. Well, and, remember and, this. When Obama was in there, the Republicans were running both houses. Yeah. He, he could not get anything through because he was blocked in Congress. 
So yeah. can you really just blame Obama for whatever oh, no, pain? No, no, you know, it's I, because it gets complicated. Oh yeah, I, it's yeah. you know from the first day in office, I will do this, 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 and this, and it, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if anybody listening, you know, would 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 write down these promises and then check out what it would take to enact them. You'll you'll find that this is not something that is that is part of the presidential power that they can just suddenly wave a wand and do this. They have to go through the House and then the Senate to get bills passed. I mean, it's not that easy. Mm-hmm. So so you can make the promise and 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 truly mean the promise, but the reality of your having the power to make it happen. Is is slight, you know very slight to none. Yeah, that's why they always want all the down, you know, all the uh, the senatorial and the House of Representatives uh, people in their party to win also, so they could have a greater chance of making things happen. Anyhow, I th- I think we probably should switch to another topic, or you know, Absolutely. your audience is just going to get you know fed up with us. <laughs> and I w- I probably. would like to offer as. Uh, a possibility is um, uh, a story that we posted just recently, and it's called Young Sasquatch Keeps Kept Man Awake All Night. And there is a, a Dr. Um, um, Johnson, and he has been doing research on uh, Bigfoot for probably close to two decades or about two decades. And at one point he had set up um, a habitation place up in a remote mountain peak in the Olympic Mountains out in Washington. And he invited at one point a man named Johnny Manson. And Johnny Manson is uh, a 20-year veteran radio personality out in Washington State on regular radio FM AM out there. And so this Johnny went up there and uh, camped out in December of all times. Um, oh, at this, uh, uh, Can you imagine? five? And they slept outside without a tent or without anything, just in a sleeping bag. And uh, so he was out there for five five bone-chilling days in December. And when uh, when they first got there, the first thing he noticed was it was really, really quiet. And then he started Uh to notice that there were stick structures around. And then he began to notice that there were barefoot prints everywhere. And again, this is December. And the footprints went from 7 inches in length to 22 inches in length. And uh, Dr. Johnson told Johnny that the largest ones were from the dad in that family that lived in that particular spot, and that he was 9 feet tall and 5 feet wide. Uh, But the the action really got started when they uh, got into their sleeping bags for the night. And... uh, uh, they heard a crow that was like a hundred times louder than any crow, and this is commonly reported with the Bigfoot. They'll try to imitate birds or different animals, different sounds, but there's this volume to it that uh, you know no human or bird or animal could to, could re- replicate. And uh, they uh, they were also kind of encircled, not kind of. They were encircled by these Bigfoot, and. Their the, their walk was so heavy that they could feel the ground vibrate. So wow. that's that's what it was like when he tried to go to sleep. 
then, and I'll quote him here, he said, all night long I heard a little girl whisper at the foot of my cot. And when she whispered, I could hear at least two others reply from further back. I was too scared to go to sleep or look out. Instead, I hid in my sleeping bag. I also could hear (laughs) rock clacking and sticks being hit together. Now, this is the part I found the most interesting. Um, They had a, 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 Dr. Johnson has a, 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 I think it's a parabolic uh, disc for recording, and he runs it all night long. So they can go Uh back and play it when they're wide awake. And Johnny's in his sleeping bag, and the girl said, and I don't know how it was pronounced, but it looks like Nipkia, Nipkia. And um, it was also picked up on this recorder so they could play it back. One of his friends started doing some research on old Native American words and found out that that meant, uh, the the meaning of that uh, was to bring a friend or brought a friend. So obviously the meaning uh, was that Dr. Johnson had brought a friend with him that day. And um, uh, the next morning... um, the doctor managed to sleep through the night because he's used to all this, but Johnny, I don't know if he ever got sleep. And <laughs> he he told Dr. Johnson next, the next morning about this, you know, whispering uh, little Bigfoot girl that kept him awake all night. And um, he said, oh, I call her Chatty Kathy because she never shuts up. And it was uh, she was the adolescent in a family of five, which also included a toddler and two older siblings and the parents. So that's wow. quite a little adventure for um, um, somebody to have. Could could the pot, could it be possible that the where they went the habitat was at higher elevation and and that could maybe explain some of the the um, the crow sounding, you know, bigger or louder or whatever. No, it, they were up on a mountain peak, and if you ever there's a picture with the story I have of the uh, Olympic Mountains, and they are the sharp pointed snow top mountains, uh, you know, very rugged. You wouldn't even find a crow there on a sunny day. Oh, okay. No, I just I, I was thinking that maybe the um, higher elevation would make the noise seem louder. Would amplify it. I can yeah. understand your logic, but I don't think crows like to be up that high. Probably not, <laughs> and at night too, because they don't really. Um, I find that the birds really don't fly a lot, except for bats. Um, right. They, they don't fly at night, so that would definitely. I, did they find in in the daytime? Do, do you know? I mean, I, I read your article, so. Um, but could they find the foot footprints all around the camp? I'm wondering. If oh they, yeah, they did. They did. And like I said, there was uh, they were different sizes, so they they uh, the doctor said there was a, a a toddler. Well, the toddler probably had the seven inch foot. Oh jeez. But and it it said to that Johnny went back a number of times. Yeah, um, as scared as he was, I was surprised that he did go back. I think he returned. Uh, uh, the last I heard was five times, so he must have well, gotten past know, his fear. Well, yeah, but you kind of. Now I know you've had experience with with um, communicating with them, not necessarily having them come for tea, but but 
you know, leaving gifts and getting the gifts back and things like that so that so that it would seem that the doctor probably had a relationship of sorts with them. They knew that he wasn't there to kill them or, or right, to harm right. them in he, any way. He had that uh, campsite uh, established long before Johnny the radio man uh, went up there and stayed with them. Uh, so, yes, he had long established the, <clears throat> the relationship with that particular family that lived right there in that area. Um he, Dr. Johnson, um, I'm reading his book now, and he started out as your, you know, nuts and bolts, let's find the track, let's find the evidence, let's find the sticks, let's, you know, just at that level. He went from there to setting up this uh, habituation site, uh, which is where Johnny was and where this story happened. He went another step after that, and that is it. he, he got to the point where, he absolutely started um, very in-depth conversations and relationships with some of these Bigfoot. And oh, some wow. of the um, the things that he, after that point, and this took years to get to that point, but after that happened, this it almost is like reading science fiction. You just can't believe, you just can't believe the things that he experienced after that. And I'm trying to figure out if there's any way that I can even present that on the website because if you don't read all this other stuff this guy went through, you're not as inclined to believe the sci-fi part of his story. Like he has answers for for like um, um, a portal that opens. Um, He has uh, stories about the Bigfoot healing him and other people. Um, and what's, he, what's he, the name of the book, Mary? Oh, I'm reading it now, and I can't think of the name of it. Jeez. But it's Dr. Uh, Matthew Johnson. So okay. if you just type in his name and Bigfoot, you probably will find it. You can tell I go right past the cover and right into the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, Anyhow. That sounds... Fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, uh, you know, how, I don't know, the, the Bigfoot explained the, the uh, planet that they come from. It's just incredible stuff I've not read anywhere else before. But without this buildup, without understanding what all these years that this man went through, it, it, it I don't know if it sounds believable just by itself. But after you well, see what he's gone through, you go, oh, I, I'm willing to accept that this might be really real. Well, a lot of the stuff that I've read on your website concerning Bigfoot, it takes a great deal of time to establish any sort of trust. And mm-hmm. and there there had you have some stories about people who had gardens and made sure that he left out stuff for the Bigfoots to take or he planted enough so they could take some as well. Um, but I mean, there there have been a handful of of places where people who were were isolate were able to just by their presence and the peacefulness around them make it comfortable for the Bigfoots to actually have some form of um, like I said, they didn't come for tea, but there there was a communication between them and. You know, I you you've written a book on Bigfoot, and and um, it's it's probably one of the sweetest books out there. It's just it's a wonderful book, and everybody should read it because um, is it beyond Bigfoot's 
Beyond the Bigfoot Footprints. It's, I can't remember the title it's, exactly. It's, it's Bigfoot in, in kind of big letters, and then Beyond the Footprints. Yeah, it's it's you you You're sit lucky back I can and remember you... the title of my own book. <laughs> I'm really glad you can. I didn't feel so bad I couldn't remember the title when you couldn't read the remember the title of the book you're reading. Um, so, but but it it just. I, I think that there's something so special about Bigfoots, and I am so outraged by people that want to kill it and get a pelt and stuff like that because, for, first of all, I don't think they'll be able to. Um, but I wanted to, to ask you about the trees, the, the way they bend them over to kind of look like shelters, but but it doesn't really look like it's too much of a shelter. Is Are the branches, when they bend them over, then do they put other branches around them or something to create a cave-like situation um let's see i i don't think this is what i have let me check on something i think it's two weeks out before i'm going to post this one um i have um it's going to be titled let's see here open it up here and give you the title it's just um it's the title is going to be photo collection of bigfoot stick structures and um and they look like things that are um a bit are shelters um so a lot of times what we're seeing is the structures in the process of being built, you know, and they don't okay. look like much. And um, also I think sometimes they they use the, the sticks in different formations as a form of communication. So it can kind of get in between. But I've uh, there's of the pictures I'm going to be showing, let's see, the week after next, um, I took one of them. And it, I've been on the land, obviously, and um, the Bigfoot live in that area, and the little structure that I've taken a picture of was formed overnight, and then it was added on to later. So I got to see it as it was formed, so they don't form instantly. Okay. I just I didn't know if that was just the frame and that there was more to it. Um, uh, the the more I've looked into it, it, you're seeing something in the process of being constructed. Okay. Anyhow, look forward to that in about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will. I will put that on my calendar because um, you know it just. Uh, I I've seen those kind of constructions in the woods from time to time and didn't realize that it, it might be something that, that was more than what I thought it was um, because it did look like it, if you put other branches and stuff around it, it could have created um, a kind of cave. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are made with like a, it's not universal, but like a central tree trunk and then they'll uh-huh. lean the other ones around it and build the structure around a, a central pole, really. Uh, that, that I've seen pictures of repeatedly. Do they um, use fire for heat, or do they not need it? I have never, ever heard of them using fire. The only fire story that I've ever posted was that um, somebody was around a campfire and I guess they must have gone off to their tent. I, I don't remember the story anymore. But they watched the Bigfoot come and pick up a stick that still had the embers on it, and they were like kids um, 
whirling it around in the air, watching the sparks come off of the uh, the um, you know oh, like, porch, like so sparkle. to speak. Like but a to start a fire on the on their own, I've never heard of that. And the fact they so, can so, walk barefooted in December tells me that they are really designed to be, you know, like a bear. A bear doesn't make fires or wear shoes, and um, yeah. the Bigfoot don't either. So they are. So they, and they, a bunch of, a whole bunch of years ago, I had one of those uh, shearling coats um, where, yeah. you know, they take the entire skin of the animal and um, the fur's on one side and the, the skin's on the other. I mean, that was hot. It was absolutely hot, even in, like, Minnesota-type weather. And, uh, oh, yeah. So the animals um, are designed to deal with the cold weather than, you know, humans are, for sure. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of food. I mean, so are they basically vegetarians then? Because I can't imagine raw meat. That would, that would yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go back to Dr. Johnson again, and he said that um, there is – the Bigfoot told them there is also another, um, he had a name for them, but like another species that's very much like them, that they tend not mm-hmm. to get too much more than six or seven feet tall, and they will eat um, mammals. He said that the true Bigfoot do not. So huh. I don't know I don't know how to sort that out because I've gotten lots of reports where, you know, the, uh, the Bigfoot have eaten deer. Uh, the bones have been left. Uh, they've seen um, a Bigfoot, you know, haul off with a possum or haul off with, a, you know, different kinds of animals, obviously, to eat. So either, I don't know, could they all be a, this other race that the Bigfoot are telling Dr. Johnson, or is that well, information not correct? I do not know the answer yet. They're, um, the stories that I've read and, and your website included most of the the times when somebody has kind of communicated with them, it's been for for fruits and vegetables. It hasn't been for meat. Well, so when I, we did just, our food experiment, we didn't put meat out for them. Oh, okay. We, yeah, but the ones the people that you know that 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 had gardens that they knew the Bigfoot were were you know sneaking in and taking some. Um, that was all you know, fruit, uh, vegetables and fruit and things like that. So, Right. But I don't know of anybody who is putting meat out for the Bigfoot to eat. I only know of stories of people seeing Bigfoot, you know, toting off a deer or, you know, fighting oh. for the deer. So I don't know. I don't know. I haven't sorted this out yet. Is this another type of creature that's like a cousin to the Bigfoot and they eat animals? Or... Well, is the information not correct? I don't know. I really do not know. And that's why if I do an article on this, it's going to be very difficult. Um, are, is is Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, Johnson? Maho, S-O-N. Yeah, gotcha. Um, have you spoken with him? I have not. I haven't finished his book. Oh, okay. No, I've only, uh, I've only talked to Johnny Manson. Um, I've been on his show, and um, then I found out some of his experience, so I interviewed him, and I learned about Dr. Johnson through him. And as you know, this is a very recent article that we posted, and I haven't finished this Dr. Johnson's book yet, so I have things I have to sort out. 
Well, I'm I'm going to um, <clears throat> check it out myself and then try to get him on the show. I, okay. I'll get the book first, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's always a good idea. <laughs> this is my best philosophy. When you come from, <laughs> I've just read your book and you have their attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, yeah, I'm sure that works. So. Um, nine times out of ten, it does. <laughs> but your, your I think website, I think most. Yeah, yeah, it 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 really is. It's when when you when you tell somebody you've taken the time to read their book and you have questions, um, most of the time they're just so thrilled that somebody bought the book mm-hmm. <laughs> that. Of course, if you're talking to Steven Spielberg, it's a whole other thing. But but in this particular genre, um, people tend to be very appreciative of the fact that you take the time to read their books. So, well, it shows uh, that think, you have respect. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and sometimes, you know, as sometimes I can say, I've just read your book, and then, you know, in my head, I'm saying, and I understood about twenty percent of it, but I'd like to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm sure you could understand more than 20% of my book, because I think I wrote it at the 8th grade level. But <laughs> Well, yes, I, your books are well written. They're they're delightful, and, and it's the Bigfoot book that I'm in love with. So um, it just, um, you, you, you cry. It's so sweet. It's just another perspective. You know, they, they aren't out to hurt us. They just right. want to scare us off so we don't hurt them. I mean... And I can understand that we have we have weapons and stuff that can really hurt them. But I, I do want to we're we're close to the end of the show here, and I want to um, reiterate your website is www.skyshipsovercashiers.com, and it is best website out there for for material on any subject that you could possibly imagine, and short of recipes. And um, it has archived for... Is that what I have for... to do to please you? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll have to come up with a recipe. Well, I'll, I'll work on that one. I checked your archive out. There are no recipes there. <laughs> I know. there. There's not a single one. I know that. <laughs> but but uh, the archives are fantastic. They go back over 10 years. And you can research a topic and just get overwhelmed with amazing material and quite often pictures as well so it's definitely um it's a great place to get lost i appreciate that and and yes the pictures i think are important and there's usually there's all i think i put photos with everything i post anymore yeah you do and it's great but um i i recommend everybody go check it out because you will find something there that will fascinate you and then when you find it then go to the archives and search it there because there's almost always 10 or 15, 20 or 30 more articles on that same subject, which which will blow your mind. So, Mary, thank you so much for, for spending time with me again tonight. All righty. You have a good evening. You too. Good night now. Night, night.